0: California, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online and archived at www.kpfa.org. Next up, we have Jennifer Stone and Stone's Throw. It's 3 o'clock. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Picture, drop the shadow out of the floor. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's throw and I was among the missing last week at this time, and I have a, a guilty conscience because I haven't done my bit to raise money uh it is not one of my finer skills uh i'm <laughs> not entrepreneurial but today uh you gotta help me out you gotta you gotta subscribe to KPFA just just for my sake but i was listening i was listening on the bus coming down here to see a song and he's such a marvel and his shows are so wonderful and the show that he had on was so oh what what's the word um uh, uh so things were, well, if things are that wretched, you know, I, I got to thinking, uh, somebody, I think it was Helen Caldicott, somebody said not too long ago, they said, we have come to the end of living and the beginning of surviving. And I thought to myself, I thought, well, uh, I guess so, uh grim, it's grim, it's grim, Uh, what I keep thinking is that, I mean, I've had my 75 years in the American nightmare, and uh, I can't tell you how my heart aches for the people, well, let's say, let's call them the boomers, I don't like that word, but it is true that things are, are tough all over, but I guess, I guess because I have survived this long, it's my little my little task to point out that uh, there are still moments when living is worthwhile. <laughs> I don't know. We gotta hang on, folks. You know, uh, back to the pleasure principle. Now, I want to read you something funny, or at least something cheerful today. But before I do, let me let me tell you that. I have the usual, the usual suspects here yet. Uh, my premiums include the $150 subscription that gives you the uh, 60 big ones, 60 years, 60 voices collection. If you've been listening to KPFA, um, you know all about this. It's an amazing collection. i trying to figure out how many I can afford. I give them to. All those people I know who need a liberal education. This is uh, a big one. And uh, it is, as I said, a $150 subscription to this radio station. And as you know, the telephone number here is one eight hundred four three nine fifty seven thirty two. 1-800-439-5732 or in the five and dime area code, eight four eight fifty seven thirty two. 5732 Now, later on, I'll start just saying those numbers over and over again. Someone told me that's the only way to persuade people to call in is just to harass them with those, those numbers. Anyway, 60 years, 60 voices, 150 bucks uh, subscription. And, of course... If you call in here, they'll tell you all about the usual, you know, the bumper stickers and the t shirt and all that good stuff. This one, I'm not going to read you all the names on this. I think, I think you've heard them. I mean, it's everyone from Gore Vidal to Langston Hughes to Diane DePrima to Angela Davis. Let me see. I know what I'll do. I'll run down the list and I'll read you the names of all the women. Right. Okay, just commit. Jane Fonda, Elsa Knight Thompson, June Jordan, Betty Davis, Dolores Huerta, Pauline Kale, Germaine Greer, that wonderful, wonderful nutty woman. Uh, I was going to read you a, a scandalous piece about her affair with Federico Fellini. I'll save that, Uh, let's see, Rosa Parks, Lena Horne, Diane Prima, uh, Rebecca Solnit, Molly Ivins, Naomi Klein, Arundhati Roy, Angela Davis, and Anais Nin, and I'm afraid that's all the women, so it's not uh, predominantly women, but there is a respectable percentage of female voices on this 60-year anniversary um, uh, tape. It's just wonderful here. Uh, it's from the Pacifica Radio Archives Living History, Berkeley's 60th anniversary. And I'm so glad they put this all together. So we got it all in one package. Packaging is everything, folks. Last night I reached up on the top of my filing cabinet, and I took an armful of stuff down, and I thought, okay, I've been around here since 1981, yes, Jennifer Stone, 1981, I'm looking here at the first number, we used to have a print, print folio, you know, and we used to type up little blurbs to tell people what we were going to talk about. So articulate. <laughs> anyway, I cannot believe uh, it's just it's landfill. This stuff. Uh, I was. I, I just. It's no good giving you a list. Let me. Let me just. I, let me pick up a page here, and I'll just spot over it. Let's see, Marguerite Young's Miss McIntosh my darling writer, Tony Morrison's Sula, Gertrude Stein's Melantha, uh, The Life of Charlotte Bronte by Elizabeth Gaskell, The Diaries of Anais Nin, Casey Miller's Words and Women, Du Bois' Souls of Black Folk, Isaac Dennison's Out of Africa, Richard Wright's book Black Power, the first time that title was... uh, Used was Richard Wright, uh, Sylvia Plath's Poems, Ariel, Virginia Woolf's The Room of One's Own, all the works of Edna St. Vincent Millay, and, uh, Ellen Moore's Literary Women, Elaine Morgan's The Descent of Woman, a hilarious book. It says that we went back into the ocean, you know, like the whales, and then came back out. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, the poetry books are numberless. A uh, wonderful anthology of fiction by women called Bitches and Sad Ladies. Sherry Heights, The Height Report. Uh, Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex. Wolfgang Letterer's The Fear of Woman. The Dialectic of Sex. Sexual Politics by Kate Millett. Uh, the books and letters of Margaret Mead. The books of Doris Lessing. Uh, Kirsten Lavrin's Daughter by the great Sigrid Unset. That was a Nobel Prize-winning novel. Also, The Master of Hest Viken was Sigrid's secrets book. Love those books. <laughs> Give me a Norse saga any day. That's what I take to the beach. Uh, Dylan Thomas' wife, Caitlin Thomas, she had a wonderful book called Leftover Life to Kill. <laughs> All of the selections on the woman question written by Karl Marx, Frederick Engels, Lenin, Stalin, and the boys. Uh, and one of my favorites is The Marriage Law of the People's Republic of China. You can't get off the hook over there, folks. <laughs> no, no fault. Divorce. You have a baby. You take care of it. Uh, okay. Everything, oh shoot, all the little things, the children's books, the. uh, uh, My favorite is Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid because there's nothing left of that book by the time Disney and the boys got through with it, you know. Uh, I just love to go back to the originals in the 19th century, uh, long poems like Christina Rossetti's Goblin Market and. What else have I got here? The plays of Ibsen, uh, biographies, histories. Most of the time, uh, I think there were silly books that, you know, spoke to the moment. What was it? I was looking as yes, the the book that I remember turning me on at the age of thirteen uh, to uh, English history. Uh, Forever Amber. Kathleen Windsor was a a trashy book about a girl adventurous. I thought she was more fun than Scarlett O'Hara. I had to hide it, of course. My mother was horrified. Anyway, before we get to that, let me give you just a moment here. I put it somewhere. I have this wonderful little story. Yes, it's what I thought of when I thought of this business of our being in such terrible times that all we have time to talk about is the end of all things, you know. uh, The fall of civilization, yes. uh, uh, The fall of civilization looms. I I found a series of sonnets the other day. I think, believe it or not, the best ones are by Edna St. Vincent Millay because they are the most loving. Uh, They point out that although we are doomed, we were a beautiful thing while we lasted (laughs) anyway here's one it's written by James Thurber I am a lover of fables and parables and uh, fairy tales analogies uh, you know and uh, Thurber has a marvelous book James Thurber the old uh, humorist and this wonderful book called Fables for Our Times and uh, little animal stories and my absolute favorite was one called The Moth and the Star it's something I recommend especially to young people who go around telling me you know that they're going to get somewhere in this life right this is called The Moth and the Star a young and impressionable moth once set his heart on a certain star. He told his mother about this. She counseled him to set his heart on a bridge lamp instead. Stars aren't the thing to hang around, she said. Lamps are the thing to hang around. You get somewhere that way, said the moth's father. You don't get anywhere chasing stars. But the moth did not heed the words of either parent. Every evening at dusk, when the star came out, he would start flying toward it, and every morning at dawn he would crawl back home, worn out with his vain endeavor. One day his father said to him, You haven't burned a wing in months, boy. And it looks to me as if you were never going to. All your brothers have been badly burned, flying around street lamps. And all your sisters have been terribly singed, flying around house lamps. Come on now, get out of here and get yourself scorched a big strapping moth like you without a mark on him. Well, the moth left his father's house. But he would not fly around street lamps. And he would not fly around house lamps. He went right on trying to reach that star which was four and one-third light-years, or twenty-five trillion miles away. The moth thought it was just caught in the top branches of an elm. He never did reach the star, but he went right on trying, night after night, and when he was a very, very old moth he began to think that he really had reached the star, and he went around saying so. This gave him a deep and lasting pleasure, and he lived to a great old age. His parents and his brothers and sisters had all been burned to death when they were quite young. The moral of this fable is, Who flies afar from the sphere of our sorrow is here today and here tomorrow. (laughs) Those of us fortunate to have reached old age, yes, we... We have to take a different view of things. I can't remember when it was I lost my tragic sense, but sometime after the menopause, of course, you know, when the hormones go away, what is it they call the the wise blood? Old ladies all dried up, yes. The uh, uh, blood is kept within or something. Um, Wise blood, interesting thought. Uh, Who was it? Oh, Hannah, Hannah Arendt, the great one, she said. Wisdom is a virtue of old age, and it seems to come only to those who, when young, were neither wise nor prudent. Obviously, for human beings, it is better to go out and burn a few wings, but to survive, yes, to try to survive. Uh, let's see, before I get into something grim i don't want to get into anything grim today life has been just too painful lately i'm getting so i have to i have three or four radios in my apartment and i turn them on to different stations and sometimes i have to run quick and turn one off and the other on same with the tv sets you know it's like i can't i can't bear uh the input i keep thinking to myself if the uh, Wretched of the earth can bear all this pain. Surely I can bear looking at it, but that doesn't make any sense either, does it? Uh, Anyway, I remember when I was uh, a school teacher, we were doing the fables of James Thurber, and we were talking about, um, uh, oh, uh, you know, fables, fairy tales, and why we project onto animals some of our human characteristics. And I asked everyone to write a little story about their their own um, pets or animals or their experience. Um, we we had a rash of uh, of raccoons all over Berkeley at the time. Anyway, this is the one that we put together a collection of books. This is the the one I wrote for my cats. Uh, it's a portrait of a Zen cat going along with this one here. Uh, this is titled "On the Naming of Cats." My first cat was an eastern cat named Little Egypt. My very last cats were western and wild. Their names were Frankie and Johnny. In between, there were cats and cats and cats and cats. There was Grey Methuselah. Ah, lived less than a week. We got him from the SPCA, but it was too late. He was more depressed than is good for cats. He crawled under the stove to die, and then we got a baby, white Siamese, named Lily of the Field. Lily of the Field grew. She prospered. And she lived longer than is good for cats. She was mother to. Solomon the Siamese sit by the fire who sat quietly enough until one day he ran off with a ragged tabby we called Mahitabel, Mahitabel the alley cat. After that literary cat, in that book by Don Marcus, you remember um, uh, Archie and Mahitabel? (laughs) The next year, Lily's kittens were a motley litter, so we called them Larry, Curly, and Moe. But they grew up to look like monarchs, so we called them Genghis, Louis, and Alex, the Macedonian Madman. We well, had one more kitten later that year. We called him Extra. The most ferocious cats to come into my life were Eloise and Abelard. A Manx and a Maltese with more moxie than is good for cats. They wandered far and wide, Eloise lost an ear, Abelard lost an eye. Ah, the life of the city cat is short, but so sophisticated. The most comfortable cats in my life were an ebony velvet trio, Euphoria, Regret, and St. Ives. All three drank from my coffee cup. Coffee Creole was their drug. Espresso with blackstrap molasses and cream. (laughs) St. Ives was wired for a kill. She would hear a fly buzz against the window, trembling with attention, teeth and jaw, chattering with anticipation. He'd snap up the green and glistening fly. Regret would frown and say, Don't. Eat that, dummy. You don't know where it's been. Onyx, warm euphoria, only smiled her sphinx smile, poured herself off my lap, sighed at the fly or anything else that came her way and buffed her claws on the Persian carpet. Euphoria's karma was too cryptic for a cat. I'm convinced she was a reincarnation of the goddess Ishtar, just waiting for a chance to bring back the old religion. She once started a cat's coven in the neighborhood. They all became witches familiars, fought on the barricades by the back fence. But then, wouldn't you know, Euphoria came home pregnant. That put a stop to her militancy. These days all she does is worry about her new-age daughter, Betty Boop. Once she was a mystic. Now she just sits by the fire and rings her paws. Oh, she says, you just can't tell Betty Boop anything. Cats today. Now, the next thing I want to do today... Oh, I had all these wonderful um, bits and pieces and scraps to tell you about. Uh, Oh, don't forget to read Hendrik Hertzberg in the May 4th New Yorker where he explains what will happen when Texas secedes. Texas is thinking of seceding from the Union, folks. (laughs) I don't know. I'm looking here for something i I wrote back in back in the day, but i oh, i don't know uh I don't know if I have time to read it to you uh <laughs> probably not, probably not uh I found the funniest thing uh in my archives. it was a piece that I wrote back when life was well if if not if not uh, sweeter, at least less dreadful it was called Woman with an Iron Whim it was all about Monica Lewinsky you remember when when all we had to worry about was a sex scandal in Washington D.C. before 8 years of that terrible darkness uh, anyway uh, it was a silly little piece of uh, I may save it for next time, read you the whole thing, because it is delightful. I think it was my most favorite uh, piece. Somebody threatened to publish it, and then they called back and said, Oh, 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 but it's out of date, you know. (laughs) He's not going to be impeached. And I said, you know... I I think it was um, an historic event. I don't think it's going to go away. It's probably going to dog him the rest of his life, poor Bill Clinton. But, no, I think what I have time for, first of all, I need to ask you to call in and subscribe to KPFA. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. And today is May the 12th, and we're trying to raise money to maintain free speech radio and it says that I should say that telephone numbers slowly and to tell you that you can donate online at www.kpfa.org and <coughs> that if you feel like spending $150 to subscribe to KPFA, we will send you The Pacifica Radio Archives, Living History, 60th Anniversary Album, 60 Voices Collection. If you ask the people on the telephone, they will tell you the names of all of the people. Dozens and dozens of people. Celebrating 60 years of radio broadcasting, 60 historic voices, listening, uh, easy listening, folks. Do you want to educate? Educate your friends. A liberal education, as we all know, aesthetics is the mother of ethics. If we give the children enough uh, poetry, we'll tenderize the little suckers, you know. (laughs) I always used to say, if that Timothy McVeigh had gone to dance class, well, maybe things would be different. Tain't funny, McGee. Oh, Jennifer. Actually... I do believe in that stuff, I think if you catch a child at six, you know, you probably can teach him something, that's what B. Arthur used to say, I loved B. Arthur, she has just died recently, and I was listening to an interview with her, and I was so pleased, she said that the happiest time of her life was when she was in Kurt Weill's uh, and Bertolt Brecht's play, Three Penny Opera in 1954, and that's the little piece that I use for my intro all these years. Uh, I use the last coat of the last few lines of the play. Um, you know where it says, happy ending, get your money every Friday. And uh, Bea Arthur played Lucy Brown in that show, uh, 1954. What an inspiration. Of course, then she had to go on to be a, a television icon forever and ever Anyway. Let me take the time just to tell you a little bit about Governor Perry in Texas. I don't know about this guy. Um, he says that there are many scenarios possible. Uh, and then henry Hertzberg in the May 4th New Yorker, he says that, you know, it might not be so bad that the globe is replete with two state solutions. I mean, India and Pakistan, Ethiopia and Eritrea. Israel and Palestine, admittedly, these may not be the best examples. A closer parallel, he says, would be Czechoslovakia, which in 1993 split uh, peacefully into the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Like Czechs and Slovaks, Americans and Texans speak closely related languages and share a common, if not equally intense, interest in football games uh, let's see yes the restaurants he says there's a pretty fair barbecue place just a block from New York offices and Houston has a number of acceptable organic fusion restaurants anyway let's see he says that they'd have to call themselves a federated state confederate being a word that remains a little too provocative <laughs> anyway uh. Yes, cultural exchanges, tourism, a degree of military cooperation would be far from unthinkable. Trade relations, uh, yes indeed, what else, uh, and then he says, um, Yeah, Texas, Texas, he said they could work on the sanctity of marriage and they could mandate organized prayer sessions and the teaching of creationism in the schools and the theory that eliminating taxes increases government revenues. Give it a good test. Right. And uh, then, of course, they would be. They would be free, psychologically free from the condescension of metropolitan elites and Hollywood degenerates. The new country could tap its dormant creativity, develop a distinctive way of life. Anyway, if partitioning Austin along the lines of Cold War Berlin proved unfeasible, peacekeeping troops might have to be sent in. Anyway, check out this federated, this notion of turning Texas into a federated state. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next time. Thank you, Jennifer. This is KPFA. That's 94.1 FM and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online and archived at www.kpfa.org. Next up at 3.30, we have Free Speech Radio News, followed at 4 by Hard Knock Radio.